This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The numbers are pretty clear and have been for a while. Most kids have access to and have watched adult videos. To be exact, 93% of boys and 62% of girls were exposed to online pornography during their adolescence. And that's according to a University of New Hampshire study. Virtually every adult agrees that this is not good for society or our kids. But where it gets complicated is how. How do you limit access to pornographic websites for children? It's a debate that's been playing out for a while, but especially in Virginia. On July 1st, a new law went into effect that requires every porn site in the Commonwealth to require its users to prove their age by submitting an ID. It's a law that the state legislature passed nearly unanimously. With bipartisan support, State Senator Bill Stanley wrote the law, sponsored it, and is now feeling the heat from many who oppose it and some who are even outraged at the law. I don't like the threats against my family. Uh, I will not tolerate those, but you're getting threats against your family. Yes. Yeah. So and it's like, dude, you know, why am I getting threats? Because you now have to put in your name and address or an ID to be able to access the Internet, bro. I mean, seriously, your porn. Is that important to you? But threats aren't the only thing looming over this new Virginia law. There are also serious legal critiques coming from the porn industry itself. Pornhub, one of the more popular adult sites, shut down its operations in Virginia in protest to this new law. And Mike Stabile with the Free Speech Coalition, a trade and advocacy group for the pornography industry, says this law is just unconstitutional. This ends up being backdoor censorship, right? This is the government limiting access for legal adults to legal speech. On the show, we'll hear from both sides, their arguments, and how they propose to guard kids against viewing pornography. State Senator Bill Stanley, welcome to the DMV Download Podcast, and thank you for making the time to talk about your law. You know, porn is a topic that's not talked about a ton. You know, it's kind of taboo in society, but it's wildly popular and pervasive, especially on the Internet. But unfortunately, it's also quite popular among children. You know, to start, tell us why you brought this bill forward in the first place and how it became law. Yeah, that, that's a lot to unpack, Luke. It started from, you know, I had been hearing from parents who, you know, were afraid as my wife and I, Laura and I have not allowed our children to have electronic devices just because, you know, the access that they have to things that they shouldn't be seeing or the access that other people that want to do them harm have in their device. You know, Uh, I've always said, uh, you know, before someone who would want to do harm to your child uh, couldn't get through your front door, but now they come right through the phone. And uh, and we're sometimes as parents powerless to stop it. I'd had a couple of parents talk to me about the issue in it. And it really was even an issue uh, close in my family where what we were seeing was is unfettered access by juveniles, people under the age of 18 to these pornographic websites. And it was harming them in the sense of, you know, body shaming issues, uh, developing proper relationships what is normal because what are on these websites are not normal. They, they always want to push the envelope on their content and their pornographic content in particular. And so I did some research and and I I read uh, some reports where, you know, 
kids under the age of 10, you're talking about 20 to 30% of children under the age of 10 uh, have accessed pornography through these websites. And then I read reports uh, of how mental issues were developing from this kind of unfettered access that they're having to these pornographic websites. And so then I looked around and I said, well, has anybody ever tried to to regulate that in the mm. same way that we regulate, you know, if there's a Playboy magazine, my 12 year old can't go into Barnes and Noble and say, Hey, I'll take uh, July's edition, please. And they'll yeah. look at him and go, are you 18? Uh, but in the internet, he could access something much more terrible uh, through pornographic videos and the like. And, and a lot of the people that are on these pornographic websites, or at least their, their filmography are, you know, people who have been human trafficked. I mean, it's a real big problem, mm. but you're looking at, you know, 30% of 10 year olds have that access. And by the age of 13, that number jumps to 85% have access pornography at least once on the internet. And, and then, you know, it's being used against people, you know, in bullying kind, kind of tactics. It really looked like a problem. Right. So that's the problem. That's the issue. Tell us how you crafted the law and how we ended up where we are now. So when I looked around, I said, is any, is any other state really addressing this? Louisiana had a law. Uh, it was a very long bill. And as a lawyer, I decided for myself, wait a minute, we can make this uh, narrowly tailored uh, mm. for the compelling state interest. Because as a constitutional lawyer and, and a trial lawyer, I deal with those issues, even deal with them right now in the skill games lawsuit that goes on in Virginia. Uh, represent Hermie Sadler in that case. But what I knew was if we were going to go down the, the route of free speech or First Amendment issues or their or their right to, to conduct business, if we're going to make a law that it has to be narrowly tailored and, and serve a compelling state interest. So naturally, the compelling state interest was protecting our children under the age of 18 from this kind of exposure. And narrowly tailored is then what I did. I took parts of what Louisiana's law uh, was about, and then really kind of boiled it down. So it was a simple civil uh, liability if they didn't have these kind of controls at their front door that would make sure that the people who were accessing their sites were of legal age to do so. And so I wrote that bill and actually wrote it during the General Assembly session, dropped it on the last day that I could possibly um, drop it because I was working on it so hard. And it was the last bill that was heard in our Senate Judiciary Committee. And uh, and it really touched on a subject that was bipartisan. Mm. I remember my good friend, Jennifer Boisco, who I fought side by side with in freeing the Invigo Beagles from Cumberland. She came to me and this was a real concern of hers. And we kind of joined forces because it's such an important issue. And um, and so at the end, uh, it came out of committee. I think it had uh, maybe one no vote in committee, uh, was almost unanimous in the Senate and then unanimous uh, passed in the House. So it was quite a journey. Uh, one that uh, I'm glad we're on. And let's pick apart kind of the legal mechanism here. You mentioned kind of a civil nature here to this law. Basically, people can sue pornographic sites now in Virginia if they don't have these age restriction barriers here. Is that correct? In its simplest form, yes. But see, what it has to have is that the child has to be harmed. So if any child under the age of 18 accesses pornography because the pornographic website did not put in proper controls, doesn't mean absolute controls, proper controls, and that child is harmed, then civil liability and damages can arise. It's not a state action. It would be a parent mm. who would sue on behalf of their children who may have suffered mental harm and other injuries that would have been compensable uh, in a court of law. So it really puts the onus on the pornographic website to just put the controls out there to verify 
that the person is who is using the site is the age of 18 or over. If they do that and the child accesses it by using VPN or some other way or somebody else's phone or someone else's ID, I don't think liability comes there because that's, you know, this is not absolute. You know, we know that we have a very strict law in Virginia, 21 years of age, if you want to buy uh, alcohol. Uh, there are kids that get fake IDs. Right. They are sad. They go in there. They look old enough. They're sold the beer. Uh, it doesn't mean we get rid of the law. Mm. We have to do that enforcement. So as long as the web hosting companies are doing the minimum, and that is to protect and make sure that the right people are watching the content, then they would not have any liability. Mm. Now, these websites uh, and these coalitions and nonprofits that kind of represent them are kind of up in arms. They filed a suit against Louisiana and Utah. I'm not sure if they've filed a suit against Virginia yet, but it seems like one is coming. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of their chief criticism is that First Amendment constitutional argument. You yourself are a constitutional lawyer. How do you respond to them when they say that this law isn't constitutional? I don't think some of the things that they put on their websites are protected by the First Amendment. You know, I think Potter Stewart in the Supreme Court of the United States said, I can't define pornography, but I know it when I see it. Pornography itself is not protected First Amendment free speech, but it is in terms of regulatory uh, because we allow it to happen. We can put those safeguards in there like we do for drinking, right? like we do for R-rated movies. Uh, where we, we don't let children in if it's NC-17, who's under the age of, of 17. Uh, so there are things we can do, and, and that's why the bill was narrowly tailored, to to try to address them in a, in a very tight way. And maybe they're uh, filing lawsuits in other states. Mine was to try to show the compelling state interest, narrowly tailored, not affecting uh, their greater business, so long as they put out the front door, which says... If you're going to enter this site, you got to be age 18, and it's got to be more than just uh, type in a birth date, mm. that there has to be a verification process. And we do it all the time. You know, they're saying, well, First Amendment, you know, First Amendment is not a guarantee to the child. OK, I'm the parent. I get to control what my child uh, watches and doesn't watch. The problem is, is with iPads and iPhones is that a lot of times I can't exert those controls, those parental controls. So I need those companies to also exert the controls with me. Mm that we can work together to make sure that I dictate what my kid says, sees on the internet. Right. And I think that's unfair. And they, and they want to say, well, this, this ruins their business. The, the majority of their people watching these pornographic videos are not of the age of 18. They're worried about losing business. And that should be a concern. That's not a company that I'm, I'm here to protect. And if, if they want to file a lawsuit and say that this Virginia law is unconstitutional and a court finds that it's unconstitutional, well, I, I would have rather tried than never to have tried. Our children are our greatest natural resource here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. We need to protect them in every way that we can. This is a changing world. Luke, you're younger than me, but this world has changed on a dime in the past 15, 20 years, and the kids being raised in it are ill-equipped uh, to be able to make these decisions on their own. Mm. And is this just the start? You know, these laws coming out in Louisiana, Utah, and now in Virginia, this is kind of a new attempt here, you know, is there more that you're expecting the state of Virginia to do to kind of further limit maybe the dark web, you know, uh, limiting the access to VPNs? Or is this, you know, where your case rests as far as, you know, limiting this access for kids? Well, you know, a government can go too far. And you have to, you have to walk that line, which acknowledges the Constitution and the rights of, of free people uh, to associate. Right. But at the same time, what we're trying to do is protect, like I said, that great natural resource in children. A child turns 18 and they want to go on these websites, these pornographic websites. 
okay. That's why they're 18. Uh, that's why we have kids, you know, can't drive till they're 16. Um, we, we set as a government standards by which we allow certain things to happen uh, because there's a compelling state interest to not let a nine-year-old drive a car or possess a firearm or those kind of things. And so what we have to do is we have to catch up to the internet. The internet has gotten so far in front of us that we're just like, oh, it's the internet. What are you going to do? I mean, I heard that. What are you going to do? Mm. It's the internet. What? Well, I'm sorry. The internet is not all knowing, all seeing, all powerful. Mm. It, it provides, uh, and I've said this before, it provides for us a great resource where I can say who won the batting championship in the American League in 1955, you know, and I can find it out in a minute. Right. It, so, it, and it can help me with my business. It can help businesses grow. But at the same time, where you as a parent would never have allowed an attacker into your home, like I said, they can come right through your phone. It can be the best of things and it can be the worst of things. And we as a government, I think, have the obligation to strike a balance to protect those who might be taken advantage. Are they 100% effective? No. But even if they're 50, 60, 70% effective, then we're doing something. Mm. And we're doing something which is in the best interest of the people that we serve here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. I can tell you, Luke, I have gotten more phone calls. Mm. (laughs) They are bipartisan. And they run the gamut. And I have had some very nasty messages left on my law firm's answering machine uh, from people. And that is their right to speak their what they feel freely. That I, I treasure and cherish that. Mm. I don't like the threats against my family. Uh, I will not tolerate those. But but you're getting threats well. against your family. Yes. Yeah. So, and it's like, dude, you know, why am I getting threats? Because you now have to put in your name and address or an ID to wow. be able yeah. to access the internet, bro. I mean, seriously, your porn is that important to you that you call up, you know, and of course they always call like at 10 o'clock at night to leave their message. <laughs> right. Listen, I, I listen, I listen to that stuff and that, it comes with the territory when you're an elected official, but you know, these, I think people are losing perspective. I know it feels inconvenient to you, Mr. Adult, who wants to access pornography, but we're doing good for our children and for our children's future when we regulate that access in the same way we do it in every other way that I've just talked about. Mm. And do you expect other states to do it? You know, uh, Maryland's just to the north, you know, you got plenty of other you know states around. It seems like a growing movement. Are you getting that kind of sense here? Or do you think it'll kind of just be more, you know, GOP Republican leaning uh, state houses? I don't think it's just GOP. I know Democrats and, and Republicans came together. Many of my colleagues and friends on the other side of the aisle, uh, we had long discussions. We made sure that that it was neutral in terms of sexual conduct. So content that would be found on the internet. So it would not have any regard to sexual orientation. You know, there are ways that that we can acknowledge what some priorities might be because we're Republican or Democrat. But at the mm-hmm. same time, what I will credit the Democrats in Virginia with this year was, and they were very thoughtful about it, was that the protection of our children is paramount. Mm-hmm. And that's how we were able to come to this kind of conclusion. I worked with the uh, with some of the platforms like Google and and to well-define, you know, what what is sexual content? We use the Virginia sexual content uh, law that's been on the books and has been found to be constitutional. So I wasn't shredding any new ground there. It was, as I said, neutralist to sexual orientation. And we wanted to make sure that we weren't capturing uh, other platforms that that might not be putting on this content of pornography, but might be captured in it like Google and those. And so we put in some protections uh, so other companies could work with it. And they were happy with that. Hmm. I mean, they, they weren't the only people, the only people 
that are having a problem are the people that are making billions of dollars at Pornhub and YouPorn. And what I'm also hearing is some of these websites are putting on the filter. There's a very good company that does a very good filter for these things. It's not that hard, but instead, you know, uh, Pornhub wants to pitch a fit, right? Uh, pick up their toys and leave Virginia. And and someone called me up and said, "Did you hear Pornhub is pulling out of Virginia?" And I said, "That's ironic." That... <laughs> <laughs> really, we won't add, we won't go into that. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think. You know, for those who are concerned that, oh, people are kind of going to the dark web, international websites, you think it's still worth it, you know, the law just to, to have a law and to try, at least try. That's what I'm hearing. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I've, I've dealt with, uh, I also do criminal defense work, and I, I've dealt with people that have had access or done things on the dark web. That is that is something that I, that I wish we could address. And we could talk hours on, on what is there. Right. There are ways that, you know, we said earlier where VPNs, uh, which hide your URL, because what the what Pornhub is doing right now is anybody with a Virginia URL cannot, a Virginia identity from their computer or their phone can't access the site. It will clip. The VPN thing supposedly gets around that. Okay. You know, laws can never be perfect. Okay. We outlawed murder a long time ago. People still kill, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, we, we can put these safeguards in place and hopefully give parents another tool in the toolbox to keep their kids away from this stuff before it's time, before they're of age, before they can make their own decisions, and before they're influenced unnecessarily by this stuff that can affect their lives. I mean, what's more important, Luke, is the, you know, John Smith, who who left a message on my answering machine telling me what an a-hole I am for, for keeping him from his porn site, is are his needs more important than protecting our children? And if you get into that argument, I don't think anybody comes up with, no, my needs are, are paramount to protecting children. And liberal or Democrat, Republican or conservative, we all come to the same conclusion. Yes, does it affect an does it make it more difficult to access the website for the person over the age of 18? Yeah, one time. You put in your ID. You put in whatever the safeguard ID is in there. You do it one time. That's it. Maybe they're ashamed that there's a paper trail now. Well, guess what, buddy? You're doing it anyway with your URL, okay? You know, the, you are being tracked one way or the other. Or my privacy information is now going to, to be spread upon the web. Guess what? Every time you make a purchase at Amazon with that credit card, Every time you sign up for anything, you're you're every time you're you're typing in something like lawn chairs, and then all of a sudden you get ads for all these lawn chairs. What is it telling you? Right. You're being accessed already. Yeah. What we're trying to do is stop the access when it comes to our children who shouldn't have it. And quite frankly, Pornhub and YouPorn would be avoiding liability if they just put the filter on the front and just require identification to to demonstrate that the person is of age to access their content and they would never have a lawsuit. Mm. Pretty simple. They're the ones, you know, pitching the fit when they could do something very simple. Mm. But I think they're they're most afraid of is losing that audience and their target audience is minors and that concerns me. Well, state senator Bill Stanley, this is wildly interesting and serious and uh, you know there's a lot at stake here. So thank you for taking the time to kind of lay it out all in front of us uh, so we can understand it and um, kind of see where this goes as uh, I'm sure, you know, there'll be more noise about this as time goes on. Yeah. Well, you know, it's hopefully uh, it won't be challenged, but if it is, I hope that it passes constitution muster. If it doesn't for some small reason in the bill, then I'll be back next year to change it, to, to put it back where it is. Ultimately, these companies have to take responsibility 
for what they do. We don't leave them unfettered uh, to do what they do without some obligation. I think it makes only perfect sense to do it here. Thank you again so much for your time. Absolutely, Luke. Take care. We've been hearing from State Senator Bill Stanley, the author of The Law in Question. Coming up, we'll hear from the other side of the issue. Mike Stabile is with the Free Speech Coalition, a trade group for the porn industry that's argued against these types of laws before the Supreme Court and won. He has a lot to say. Stick around. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. And we're back. Joining us now is Mike Stabile, spokesman for the Free Speech Coalition, an advocacy group for the porn industry. Mike, thanks for being here. Thanks. Good to be here. So we just heard from the Virginia lawmaker who wrote this law that you oppose. First of all, you know, tell us why you think this law is bad. I mean, there are a number of things that are wrong with the law, and we reached out to legislators early on to help them understand it. First, it's ineffective. VPN just sort of spike. When you have a state-level regulation like this, people are wary of, of entering private data, right, or, or submitting stuff, especially to something that is assumed to be a government entity. And so they just get a VPN and they go around it. But on the larger level, it's unconstitutional, right? This is legal speech. You may not like pornography. You may be personally opposed to it. But I think that everybody should be concerned about the government coming in and saying certain legal speech is subject to greater restriction than other types of speech, right? This is not... Um, I think that people think about age verification as something that's fairly simple, right? Because we go into a liquor store, we flash our ID. Right. We go to a bookstore, we want uh, to get an adult magazine, we flash our ID. When you're dealing with things online, it's much different, right? Um, one, you're dealing with digital ID or you're dealing with some sort of digital identifier of your person. Um, that means that a lot of people don't want to submit that, right? They don't want a record. They don't want the potential for a record or the potential for surveillance of where what websites they're going to and what types of content they're looking at. Two, it's also very cumbersome, right? It takes a lot of time to go through the verification. It is not as simple as you know, flashing an ID, someone recognizes it, nobody writes anything down and you just go on with your business. In this case, you're going through, you know, um, it can be facial recognition. It can be, you know, uploading an actual physical ID or an image of your ID. Um, it can be working with data brokers to identify it. So it's a complicated system and it's also very expensive for adult sites to do. So what we've seen in states like Louisiana where they've, they've tried this is that Usage goes down dramatically. So if I'm a compliant site, I'm going to see my traffic drop 90 to 95%, right? Wow. On top of it, the cost of verification can be something like 65 cents of verification. So if you've got a million visitors, that's $650,000, you know, per month, right, to, to do this. So what's happening is, is that this ends up being backdoor censorship, right? This be, is the government limiting access for legal adults to legal speech and making it impossible for adult sites to comply in a way that allows them to stay in business. This isn't because we want minors on adult sites. We want them off as much as anybody else. We have family, you know, we have ethics. I think that people assume that this is something that adult sites don't care about. No, we do. What we worry about is the fact that this disenfranchises legal adults who want to act 
access legal content to enjoy themselves, to explore their sexuality. And this is the government coming in and saying, no, we're going to create these um, gargantuan hurdles for you to do that. And that's just not that's not constitutional. And let's, you know, pause there on that constitutional part. You know, there is some precedent here within the Supreme Court. Free Speech Coalition actually took a case to the Supreme Court, and correct if I'm wrong here, um, you know, regarding this kind of issue of pornographic material and, you know, free speech. You talked about it a lot, but can you kind of underline why that's protected? Sure. So I think that, I mean, obviously... Adult content has been protected for many years, right? For decades, the Supreme Court has said, you know, except in very extreme circumstances, this is not obscene speech, right? And this is legally protected expression. What happened in the early days of the internet were, you know, there were a lot of laws passed that like this, okay, we're going to need to protect children. And so we need to create these barriers for, you know, barriers to the open internet, right? Adults are going to have to go to this walled off section and submit an ID or, or go through that. What the Supreme Court said in 1997, and I think this still holds, is that, that this is unreasonable, right? That this is a burden to access speech. And it's important to realize that the First Amendment protects not only our right to speak, it protects our right as citizens to consume speech, to get access to ideas, no matter whether or not they are abhorrent to other people it protects our ability to sort of consume them. What the Supreme Court said was, so long as there are device level filters, the filters on your phone, the filters on your laptop that can block this type of content in your home, you know, on your kid's device, that's what we should be using, right? The, the government doesn't have a right to come in and say, this speech is disfavored, we don't like this speech, and we're gonna create hurdles for legal adults to access it, when in fact, your iPhone, your Android phone, your laptop, all come pre-installed with filters that are not only easy to use and free, they're much more effective than this, right? If you get, if your kid has a VPN and is able to access, you know, is just able to go around the, the barrier in Virginia to Maryland, um, if they've got a device level filter, those are still blocked. And adult sites register with these filters. We make it easy for parents to block us. And so what we've said is, Listen, it may be 30 years later, but the, the, the principle still applies. This is still unconstitutional and we still need to fight it. Now, this law sailed through the Virginia State Senate. I mean, almost unanimous support, kind of remarkable like partisan support here in a quite divided state house. What's the alternative for them? I think many of those state senators who I've talked to said, look, you know, this is an issue. Our kids shouldn't be viewing pornographic material. This is difficult for their psychological development. You know, they're citing all these different reasons. Mm -hmm. So what is the alternative? How can they legislate a solution here to a problem? I think everyone agrees that exists that, you know, 10 year olds, nine year olds viewing this content is not good. Absolutely. I think that what we approached them with early on was to say, one, we need to expand awareness of device level filters, right? We know that these these phones and, you know, our browsers know who we are, right? That is a, a possible solution in terms of blocking what sites you can go to and, and not. There's something like it's 16% of parents use any sort of content-based filter on their kid's phone, right? That is an astonishing low number, right? This is not something that has been tried where, where this is, you know, we're blocking adult sites is the last resort and we've tried everything else. We've tried nothing, right? In terms of a society, we don't address this. And so I think that, you know, bringing awareness of device level filters, talking with device manufacturers about ways in which they can better, you know, use the, the, the data they already have. Um, and then I think that, you know, we have to talk about just the ways in which People are accessing adult content. So this law, what it does is it blocks any site that has close to 33 and a third percent material harmful to minors. Right. Harmful to minors is incredibly broad. And, and some of our co-plaintiffs, when we've sued other states, have been, you know, sex education websites, 
individual, uh, you know, therapists and, and people who are sort of dealing with populations that, you know, need to be able to access, you know, adult content. In, in Virginia, the law, it goes as far as to describe you know, depiction or descriptions of the nipple of a female breast or sadomasochistic costumes, right? There's yeah. all these sort of broad categories that get caught up in this. But to talk about where kids are actually stumbling upon adult content, it's not adult sites, right? It's social media. And social media is not covered by this. Like the the stuff that we're, if you're worried about a, a 10 or 11 year old accessing adult content or seeing adult content, it's not happening on adult sites by and large, right? That's happening on, again, they're seeing it on social media, they're being texted in schools, right? That's that's far outside the scope of this. So we need to be able to address that as well. And I think that there's not an easy solution to this, but I think we're a partner in this, right? And I think that nobody knows more about the traffic adult sites, what is a reasonable expectation, how we can keep kids off of adult sites than the adult industry. And the fact that we were left outside, not at the table at all for these discussions, signals that this is less about protecting kids and it's more about punishing a certain community. Mm, right. And so, you know, with, you know, sex in general as a topic, there is stigma associated with it in this country. Uh, how do you respond to those who are saying, ah, like away, you know, uh, just kind of rejected? Because I think that's a, a common response, you know, for being honest about the population. Absolutely. I think that we are not unfamiliar with the stigma around sex. You know, this is this is something that we've always had to deal with. And I think that what frustrates us often is not that people don't want to see our content, right? That I think that that we all sort of respect that and understand that. It's that the lines are often vague as to what, what we can do and where we can be. And so I think that, you know, we are excluded from, you know, we're excluded from banking, we're excluded from most social media, we're excluded from advertising, right, on, on, on Main Street sites, even if we are abiding by the same regulations as anybody else. I think that what, you know, what we need to do is sort of, be at that table, to be part of this discussion, to say, hey, listen, we are legal businesses. We deserve to operate. We are incredibly popular. Let's figure out about what makes sense for, you know, for you as a social media site, what makes sense for you as a consumer. We want to be part of that discussion. I think that nobody wants, there's no point in us reaching audiences that are not interested in us. We do want to be able to legally reach audiences that are interested in us. But often because of the stigma, I think that it hurts the conversation overall, right? Legislators don't want to meet with you. Social media sites don't want to meet with you. And as a result, you're treated as sort of a, a pariah population and they design regulations that, that don't make sense and are ineffective. So I think that, you know, I think that there needs to be a destigmatization. You know, I mean, you mentioned the, you know, the bipartisan effort in the House. I think that, you know, we've talked to a lot of legislators privately who are supportive, you know, who understand this as an issue and are interested, but are concerned about being public facing, right? Because nobody wants to say, oh, yes, I believe that children should be able to access adult material. Well, nobody believes that, right? We don't believe that. Um, but I think they understand how campaigns are going to go. They understand that the cultural mood around sex and technology is very fevered right now. And I think that there's a hesitance to vote with things or to proceed in a more nuanced area, when in fact, that's going to be what's most effective. Mm. Now, the last thing you know, I'll ask about is with this new law going into effect, we talked about VPNs, but there's also a fear that users will go to kind of the dark web or other unregulated places. Can you talk about what's at stake there and why that's a problem or if you see that as a problem? 
Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely a problem. And I think that particularly when you're dealing with a population of kids, right, and and, and where they're going to go. You know, one of the things that we reached out to legislators about early on, and in fact, also Governor Youngkin, when we, we called on him to veto it, was to say, listen, this law is a civil liability. It affects sites that are have a base in the U.S. There are a lot of sites, including illegal sites, pirate sites, um, you know, sites that don't take down illegal content, revenge porn, child sex abuse material. Right? There's all that sort of stuff that is floating in different parts of the web, right? These are not the, the adult sites that you would think of, but these are stolen content, the, these sort of areas. They're not going to respond to a lawsuit in Virginia, right? <laughs> they're they're pirate sites, right? They're they're not affected by this. And so what happens is, is you end up punishing compliant sites, you end up punishing responsible sites, um, and you drive traffic to sites that are overseas, that are not abiding by any sort of laws or, or regulations, and you basically add fuel to them, right? You, you take away all the sort of traffic that's going to, you know, a site like Pornhub, and you're, you're sending it to a site that nobody's ever heard of, that's full of illegal content material, and may also have, you know, predators on it. So I think that what we want to do is but I, I think that the legislators don't understand that. I don't think the legislators ever thought about that because they're not familiar with the industry. They're not familiar with how things work. And what we want to do is talk about what's realistic, right? What's actually going to happen as a result of this legislation. If you want to protect children, let's talk about it because we can really help you with this, right? Mm -hmm. We know what filters do. We know how to make them work. Um, we know what's effective and what's not effective. But again, unfortunately, the stigma really hampers those conversations, and that's really too bad. There are definitely some unique challenges, you know, with this kind of pornographic issue and topic, but it also seems that there's just a wide-ranging problem of how to deal with the Wild West of the Internet that still is really difficult, you know, to regulate and legally navigate, you know, in this country. Mike, thanks so much for, Absolutely. you know, making the time and kind of laying this all out for us. Thanks, Luke. I appreciate it. And before we go, I should say that I reached out to the Free Speech Coalition and they told me that they're, quote, looking closely at challenging this new Virginia law. It hasn't happened yet, but they seem like they're really gearing up here. So it'll be something to watch. And that'll do it for us today here on the DMV Download Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. You know, I love doing it. I love creating these podcasts for y'all. Let me know how I'm doing. You know, leave a review. Give us some stars. We'd love to see you. This show is brought to you by WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, and 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland. Online at WTOP.com and, of course, on the WTOP News app. Have a great week. We'll talk Wednesday.